Lisa Hager. Absolutely delighted to have you on the show, the Purpose Led Leadership Podcast. We've been friends on LinkedIn for about a year now. I love your posts. I love you as a human being. We've had a few chats. We get on really well. And before we go into it, just tell the audience what you do. Oh, gosh, right. Um, what I do, I'm a HR director. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not really that sexy, to be honest. Um, the reason I obviously have quite a big reach on LinkedIn uh, is mm. because I speak out where others won't. You know, predominantly the HR industry, you're very submissive, you're very quiet, you're out in the background, whereas um, I hold people to account publicly, including a whole industry. You know, uh, you know, we talk about the recruitment industry later that we mentioned earlier. But for me, you know, my whole industry, um, there's so many changes we need to make. We're so outdated um, and we've almost forgotten the reason why we went into it, which is about people. Yeah. yeah. This is why I love you, because the the, the misconception or, 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 or certainly the perception of, of HR, um, mainly it used to be a male thing, but I think it's not now. It's like, let, let's deal with this, bring you HR at the end. There's a misconception of what I think is a misconception of what HR actually is. And also, I think the good HR people are straight talking. They don't fluff around. And I know that goes against the grain, right? Because with human resources, you have to be empathetic and understand. But what's your take on all that kind of stuff? Yeah, but like, like I say, it's it's a careful balance because, you know, the CEOs I've previously worked with had a great relationship, very open, very candid, very straightforward. Um, and, you know, I'm kind of all about the, the no BS, which I think a lot of people, well, from feedback people give me is that's very refreshing. I'm not afraid to call it out as it is, but it's not mm. about being, you know, combatant. That's about actually, if there's something wrong, let's talk about it. Let's be honest. Let's own that. Yeah. You know, let's not call it what it is. Let's let's not say it and then not follow up and do something about it. Um, yeah. And that's why, you know, I kind of, you know, my tagline is, is putting people before policy because we yes. have to comply with policy. We have to comply with the law. Of course we can. We, mm. we have to. That's part and parcel. That's belt and braces. Every company does. That's nothing special about anybody's, right? Uh, the difference is there's far too many in my own industry who hide behind that. The policy yeah. says that somebody's not performing well. The first thing they do is, oh, well, let's get them in for a meeting and let's get them a, a disciplinary and let's go. It's like, well, 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 let's just take a breath here. You know, and I'll give you a real yeah. example of when somebody is uh, somebody recently rang me and said, oh, I've got a bit of a problem. What do I do? Um, and I said, well, what's the problem? And the problem was something really simple that they were continuously late. And I said, well, that might be a bit of a bugbear. Have you before you've then invited them into the meeting, scared the bejesus out of them, uh, yeah. you know, gone down all of this as a chip paper here, you're on your first one. You say, have you actually asked them why? properly you know yeah. you just said before we get to the formal stages let's have a, a human to human conversation so let's mm. just say to me lisa how are you doing you're constantly late you're letting the team down it's impacting on this what's going on with you because it's not normally like you totally. let's have that conversation first yeah well, there's so many things here I, I i think um you know a ceo or, or owner of a business will, will as you say hide behind the policy not even have the, the toolkit or skills to actually be that human to human person, or they'll use the process to their advantage, particularly in redundancy. I, I've, I've, I've seen people, you know, follow the process. And because the process is so rigid and strong, the, the, the candidate on the other end of it can't really get out of it or feels they can't, but they're actually doing, they're not doing the process right. They're actually using the process to get rid of the person. 
Yes, and, uh, and like you say, there is an awful lot of that as well. So mm. um, they either get get it to you know for the business point of view, get it get them to use it for them. Um, yeah, because like I say, well, yeah, you know, we don't want this person in the business anymore. So let's you know, nobody will say it out loud. Let's go and overinflate the the thing that we need, you know, that we're holding against them. But they do. Um, assumptions yeah. are made. You know, people have favourites. People think, well, I don't like that person. So, you know, I think they've got a bit of an attitude. It's actually, well, no, I think your one's got an attitude. So their face doesn't fit. And therefore, well, we know we have to, you know, they go to HR and say, well, HR will maybe say, yeah, we have to follow process A, B and C. And they'll yeah. follow that to the letter so there's no recourse. But it doesn't make it right. And, I, and I, you know, that's why I coach a lot of HR people and say, well, just because the business tells you to go and jump off a cliff, would you do it? Yeah. Would you not yeah. then go to the CTO? Actually, I don't like this approach. And this is the reason why. Here's another option. But they've got yeah. to be courageous enough to be able to have that conversation. Um, and like I said, it comes back to being too submissive. We're yeah. too reactive. We're not proactive. And we're not brave enough. There's a whole industry. No. We're not brave enough to say, actually, that's a really shit decision. Why are you doing that? And I think that's, that's why. I... Move. Why are you doing that? Yeah, so uh... few people will do it. And that's why I admire you, because I, I, I think the success in this role isn't the policy or the procedure it's it's as you say having the courage to challenge either the the employee or the employer and it must be a fine line because i'm sure you've had so many different situations where it's blatantly the employee's been a twat for want of a better term or actually come on mr or mrs md this is not right yeah. you know yeah but again it, it, like you say it does go both ways you know i have had so many what i, what I call them the car park chats the stuff that's off the record that there's no blow up energy yeah. but the reason i get to have those so successfully and jump in and the first signs of any any noise um is because of trust and i've built that trust um and and again that comes up that's a whole different topic altogether but when you've built that trust you can sort of say to somebody chris let's just take a walk for a minute now hello you I, what, what's what are you doing mm. you've been a gobshite you've been a knob what what's going you know just really this is how you're coming across do you know how you come across you're angry and it's showing up in your work what's going on what's making you so angry just level yeah. with me let's fix this because it's it's you know it's going to blow up into a bigger issue and it, it doesn't need to so again mm. it's that human to human contact but that comes from a place yeah. of trust that they can speak to you in a way that they do feel that psychological safety Yes, they can speak to be straight. I'm not going to go back and run to the MD. And say, oh yeah, Chris said this. Chris, said this. that's not my style. But there's no. so many people who do, and it's like that's not that doesn't build trust. Then it's yeah. about taking the information that you said from your heart, from your head. It's full of emotion, and putting yeah. it into a way that's actually okay. Uh, Chris is a bit frustrated. He, he recognizes that he's not showing up in the right way. So let's work on the frustrations. So let's work on the facts after you've taken the emotion out of it. But you've got mm. to kind of get them to a place that they'll be able to trust you. But I have those conversations and guess what? Any business I've ever joined, when it comes to like things like disciplinaries, grievances, they're halved in the matter of weeks. Yes. Yes. Because we just changed the tact. So you're right, because more often than not, people will blame the environment, they're blaming the employee, they blame the culture, they blame the operations. But actually, it's, it's, it's probably something outside of work that's affecting them inside of work as well. And unless you have that human to human, you know, and I think it's about yeah, get to know your people. So important, isn't it? And, and this is why. Yeah, because you can't sort of, you know, say you've got their Bob and he's got some, he's gone through a divorce and, and his youngest daughter's got some problems at school and he's not feeling very well and he's got some, I mean, you know, all of these yeah. things compact how they show up every day. And so whilst I'm not saying that we we go over that line of you be rude and encroaching somebody's personal space, what you can say, if there's anything going on at home that you want to share in confidence, that you think's impacting, 
There's no judgment here. But no, of course, no. it's going to you, you're coming up and you're not quite you're not quite with it today because you're distracted. Yeah. So what do you need for us to help you? Because if we help you now, then then you'll grab back to work. You'll do more. You'll do all of the things. So put yourself out there. And because everybody's different, because circumstances are different. You know, you can't have a one approach fits all. Now, if I take it mm-hmm. back to the original thing when I mentioned that somebody being continuously late, what that led to was they were going through a bit of divorce. They were kind of fighting over the kids. He was trying to be a, a dad and take his kid to school every day, uh, three days a week, which was the agreement before they went down the courts and everything. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's why he was late. He was trying to do it and then getting caught in traffic and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, how can I help? What can we do? And he said, well, if I could start at like 8.15 instead of 8, yeah. that would be amazing. And I said, let's just do that then. So I said, yeah, go ahead and do it. Now, other parties that be came up and were in my grill saying, well, why have you done that? Because you've now made a present. Now everybody wants to do it. And I said, but not everybody's asked. Not everybody needs it. Mm. And actually, if we don't okay. start treating people like individuals, yes. it's 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. He stays I mean, an hour nearly later every single night because he's engaged, yeah. because he's had that time with children in the morning. So no one else is doing that. So no. it's it's about that balance. And I do believe that, you know, companies, you can do that. You can be, and it's obviously a bit different now because you've got a lot more flexibility in the way that we work as a whole. But, you know, some people are very, very rigid in what they do. Um, and that's what I'm saying. So as an individual, you can look at people individually. Even if you're working in a company that's got 10,000 employees, makes no difference because you're not one person's not managing that whole 10,000 right no I, I i talk about this all the time where managing the individual not the team and this is where i think there's a lot of leadership capability in in the work that you do around actually the soft skills understanding the human being i i, I put a post out on my instagram this morning saying um if every single person in your team's agreeing with you you're doing something wrong and you've got a quote on your thing about they laughed at me because um, I'm different, but I laugh at everyone else because they're the same. And yes. I, it's such a valuable point where, yeah, company is about team and all that kind of stuff, but you can't have 50 mini meetings running around because you won't grow and it becomes a bit of a cult, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a great word. Yeah, 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 like I say. And, and unfortunately, you see it time and time again when you go to a new business that they've surrounded themselves by people that are very like them because it keeps them in their comfort zone. And it yeah. keeps people in line yeah. and it keeps us. And it's mm. like, no, go and find the opposite to you because actually that balance, although there'll be some interesting discussions and some heated debates, that's healthy. Yeah. That's good. Of course. Um, yeah. Okay. So I want to talk to you about HR and recruitment, all that kind of stuff. And we, and we can put the bloody world to rights on that for, 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 for weeks, I think. But <laughs> let's, put some, let's put some context around you as a person, as an individual. You're yeah. a great, great character, great person. I love you to bits, but... Paint us a bit of a picture. I mean, you've got 35,000 people on followers on LinkedIn, which is amazing. But talk us about your journey, you know, from school to now. It's a bit of a potted history. Oh, right. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, I have a backstory. Lots of people have. And as much as lots of people talk about their backstory, I don't. And I don't do that on a purpose. And again, it's a very private thing for me. But yes, it's, it's not a, a secret that both my parents are alcoholics. We had a very difficult childhood. Um, and of course, that came with, you know, followed on by low confidence and everything else. And people speak to me now and think, how is she so sassy now? Before I wouldn't say be to a goose. But, you know, so we've all been on a journey. OK, I know that you have. And there's yeah. been parts of your life that you're still going. You know, it is a journey, right? But I don't take the kind of victim mentality. I don't live in my past. My past mm. has given me strength where I didn't think I had it. 
It's given me resilience where I didn't think I had it. So all of these life lessons that were, you know, uncomfortable and upsetting and terrifying at the time now have served me well as an adult. Okay, so I think mm. uh, I wouldn't want, you know, you could give me 10 million pounds to go through again. I certainly wouldn't, Chris. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is you take the cards and, and you learn from yeah. them and you take the positives. And so that has actually given me strength going, going on. And so, yeah, I, I wasn't a particularly smart, bright, you know, person at school or anything. I'm dyslexic. So, you know, mm. I, I even on my early career, you know, I'd spell things wrong. And I remember one of my first mentors and she was like, oh, she'd read my emails and she'd, you know, you haven't spelled this right. You haven't done this right. And then Mr. Common well, was like, OK. And she used to like kind of make me feel like I was stupid. And I said, I'm not stupid. I just can't do that. And yeah. then it was like, well, why can't you do it? Now, lots of people talking about, you know, different versions different scales different spectrums of neurodiversity and the impact which i think is that's a massive explosion elasticity and i am so happy about that because mm. we're now recognizing the difference that people are and there are tools to manage it and it's funny because obviously if i write stuff on linkedin sometimes it'll be on my phone uh, i'll read it and when i'm reading it it sounds right when i put it out there oh god that doesn't even make sense please <laughs> um and so while there's tools in the world there's still going to be the excuse me about the people that kind of message me did you see that you spelt that wrong in a mm. way that's like condescending. And so yeah. I then go back and say, no, I didn't realise I had, so thank you for showing it to me. And then they don't know what to do, whether they go, oh, uh, right, now I feel bad because you've pointed out why she can't spell or um, or actually, yeah, no problem. And it just becomes an awkward conversation. So it's always an interesting one for me. Um, but yeah, like I say, I started off in HR, well, as in admin, a lot of HR people like me kind of fall into it. I did yeah. a, a you know, business degree really enjoyed the HR and marketing. They were the two things that lit me up. Um, I get, you know, finance and PL and everything because when I go into business, I spend an awful lot of time understanding all the moving parts of the business. I'm not just a HR head. I, I'm a business advisor yeah. as well. So, yeah. um, you know, I work with investors and write investor packs and get involved in Remco. So I understand the, the cogs of the wheel that become the whole business, which I think yeah. adds, adds strength to it. But um, but it wasn't my, you know, my preferred option and it certainly wasn't sexy enough for me. Um, and so then, yeah, just did the kind of traditional route of working hard um, within a business for many, many years and getting promoted. And then to the point where I couldn't grow anymore. And it was like, as much as I love it here, I know I have to go to grow. And that's mm. always hard when you've really enjoyed the companies you're working with because they feel like family and you feel like you're cheating on them. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? um, but but you sometimes if it's not big enough, you have to go to grow. And and that's what we've done. Um, yes. Have we faced adversity in the workplace? Absolutely. You know, I'm small, five foot blonde with big boobs. Um, I can <laughs> get attention for all the wrong reasons. Um, and, you know, they've been mostly been male dominated industries. So I've learned to either be kind of in the beginning where I was really shy and embarrassed and it's like actually no just call them out on it um and so then I did and then now I make jokes uh, way more embarrassing than the lads do because when somebody's like you know just tries to push the boundary there's that yeah. bit that goes actually that's unacceptable and what I'm very clear about it's like okay I have a great sense of humor I'm cheeky not in sassy but there is a line and if you go with it I'll tell you so, yeah. so you know have fun have a laugh have a bit of banter Banter's fine if it's both parties are laughing. If one party isn't, it's not banter. That's the clear on, definition. On, on, on that point, I think, you know, um, I'm I'm mid-40s. You're probably a bit younger than me. Or, or oh, age. bless you. I love you, Chris. No, but I'm 52 and fabulous. Oh, I was asking <laughs> you anyway. We're, we're similar ages. <laughs> um, I think this whole equality equity thing has moved a lot more in the last five years than in the previous 50. What sort of changes have you had? I'm not sure you've experienced, as you just touched on there, loads of misogynistic males and you know 
dickhead males trying to be Billy Big Ball, to want a better term. But I do think the pendulum is swinging. Talk about that area. Um, yeah, but again, I think it. There is all again. There's that line. I think it has changed. I think we are getting better uh, in terms of. But I think yes. it's because generally women will turn around and go, "No, I don't think so." Um, whereas before, again, that submissiveness of, um, you know, if you think about you know, again in HR, we have um, people, you know, talking about harassment. Now, don't get me wrong; I don't condone it in any way. Um, and I've, I've had to deal with some really serious ones in in the years. But yeah. Um, yeah. So, but again, but the first thing I'm saying, well, okay, well. You need to go and say to the person that this is not acceptable and actually take away their power. Because at the moment, it is about mm. power. It's yeah. about abuse of power. Some people yeah. call it, oh, just having a bit of a laugh. No, no, it's about power. And it's about your inadequacies that you're channeling through power. We know the psychology. So I, I explain to people the psychology of it and then give them the power to go back and say, this is not acceptable. You do that again. I remember yeah. years ago, somebody kind of like slapped us on the on the ass and thought it was funny. Was like, <laughs> and, I was, and so I just turned around and said, you have two choices, boy. You do that again, I'm going to break the arm you do it with. You do it again, I'll fire you. Choose whichever one you want. Both is fine with me. Are we clear? And that was uh, it. I was like, yeah. oh, shit, right, okay. Um, guess what? Never did it again. Because I would yeah. have gone through with either option. I absolutely would have. Mm. Because like I said, there's that line. But yeah, empowering yourself to say no this is not on and I'm not having this but I get mm. that there's so many people still now in a position where they can't yeah. do that because if they were that forthright they could lose you know they could be have complaint with the boss so what, what, advice, the boss. what advice would you give male or female um but, you know it probably happens yeah. more male to female but I think there are cases where it's completely the other way around and they've got women yeah, yeah. dominating in absolutely oh, let's, let's be truthful there is. but what yeah, advice yeah. would you what advice would you give to someone in in, in a situation who feels they can't speak out because they might get fired or might get suspended or might get, what, what, yeah. you know, what process can they take? Yeah, well, again, it depends on who it is internally. Um, and if it's in somebody internal that's like senior or it's HR or it is, yeah. you know, it's somebody in HR and you think, well, where do I go from here? My honest advice is go and take outside counsel, go and speak to someone outside of the business. They'll give yeah. you a fresh perspective. And also somebody senior who's had to deal with somebody like that because you can always have an intermediary. You can always have somebody do it on your behalf. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and support you through the process rather than I don't mm. feel I've got anywhere to go in the business because it's the CEO. Yeah, it's difficult, you know, because I, I used the term Billy Big Balls about five minutes ago. And now I feel like, oh, can I even say that these days? And I, I think that it's, it's, it's a very difficult landscape whereby you've got to do the right thing. But almost like you've got I think you've got to have the freedom to, you know, you know, you can't be backtracking what you're saying as well. I think people can play the mental health card or or actually he said that to me. It's like, come on that's that is actually just banter it's, it's, sometimes it's difficult right oh it is and like i say so that's why i, I define it as banter is uh, and somebody having a laugh as long as your humor meets that humor know your audience yeah because if somebody says actually i find that offensive then you go all oh, right okay i need to walk the back don't get me wrong because i've done it myself i've gone, yeah. I've gone yeah. oh no that one didn't go to very well i'll have to walk that one out i go sorry my my humor is not intended to offend you i'll be careful of, yeah. of where i go again so i think it's just about understanding who you work with and, and knowing your audience um yeah i won't make mistakes but like i say to me that doesn't offend me i think it's funny uh saying sorry i don't work don't offend me um, as long as it's in jest, not at somebody, you know, that, again, that's a yeah. difference, isn't it? Or you could say, oh, Lacey, <laughs> you're an ass in a jokey way, followed by you're an ass. It's the same thing said in two different ways, two different outcomes. So yeah. it's it's with somebody in context that finds us the humour the same versus, um, again, where it becomes 
personal attack. Yeah. yeah. To- toxic work culture is, 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 is very difficult to identify sometimes because you, you can manipulate somebody um, in a very coercive way that, you know, and I think, I think unless, unless the leader is either aware of it, I mean, at the end of the day, the buck stops the leader anyway, doesn't it? Yeah, but also, you know, let's remember the human bit that, you know, whoever it, it, it's done it, everybody mm. can, can blame the leaders of the business for getting things wrong. But you've got to remember that each person as an individual has responsibility and accountable yes. for how they yeah. turn up, how they show up, how they speak yes. to people, how they behave. And as an individual, if you think about uh, as a collective, mm. you know, that role modeling, that being the best version of myself about being respectful about listening yeah. and uh, if you think on the individual level the adding up of that say whether that's 10 people or a thousand people adds up to a great culture you can't go in and behave like an ass and blame it on the leader that there's a toxic culture in the business well where's no. your accountability so i yeah. think you know whilst some companies get a big bashing over this yes. or hr might get a bashing over it totally. each individual has its own their own accountability of yeah. making sure that they do it right as well Oh, I've, I've, I mean, I'm a leadership coach, as you know, and I, I go into clients, I work with leadership teams and CEOs, I also work with some consultants as well. And I've, I've been on Zoom meetings where I've chaired these meetings, the CEOs there, the MDs there, the stuff, and the consultants are there as well. Mm-hmm. And, they, and, they, and, they, and they've not, they, they've confronted me or dissed the owner on the call and saying, and they're, and they're blaming all oh, the, the hours or, or, the, or the KPI, everything else apart from themselves. And I think, I think it's, I think, it's a real fine line between, yeah, we'll do what we can as business owners and leaders to help you, but mate, pull your pull your socks up, and you've got, and you know, you've got to tell these people straight. And I think, I think that um, uh, moving on, to, to, in terms of some of the sort of biggest bad practices you've encountered, be it recruitment or, or HR, um, yeah. give us some examples of those. Well, I can talk with conviction for, for days on that one, uh, but, but let's pick recruitment of them because it's a big hot topic for me. And I know that obviously you've been, um, you know, posting around sort of getting that accountability in the whole industry of recruitment. So for yeah. somebody who's gone out to market is now looking for a role, um, it's been um, an eye opener to say the least. So I've seen some of the best and some of the worst and, and it will continue. Some of the biggest named in HR recruitment, I won't say them on here, but everybody knows who they are. Shocking. Yeah. Shocking in terms of poor quality conversation. They've had a 45-minute conversation with you on the phone, uh, drilled down on your CV, which you expect, okay? And then they go, oh, now we need have to have a, a Teams call. What do you need a Teams call for? Um, well, just to, to, you know, elaborate on that a little bit more. But you've asked me, you know, 90 questions in 45 minutes. You've just gone question, 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 question. I've answered them. What really is that about? Oh, you need to know that I've not got six heads, that I'm ugly and I've got green teeth. That's that's really what it's about, isn't yeah. it? Is she aesthetically going to fit in with the crowd? And and that mm-hmm. just disgusts me and appalls me, okay? Because sure. there's nothing, we will go over the same thing. There's nothing else being added to value in that call. It's bullshit. Okay? Yeah, well, there's a massive, massive amount of um, bias on, on, on looks and aesthetics in there, I think. Yeah, which again, you know, you talk about inclusion, and yet yeah, we've we've just got to make sure somebody's face fits, literally face fits. Um, right. So yeah, I could you know go off on a on a big tangent on that one, but um, but yeah, processes where it's five or six interviews, every single one, oh, a presentation at the end. Sorry, people, this isn't 1997 anymore. Yawns, Phil. We've got this really, and that was what pays me, yeah. Chris, and I'm really passionate about yeah. it. Some of the sort of startups and, and, and especially in tech, I was speaking with. I've got some phenomenal 
in, innovative stuff, right? And and yet they're still interviewing like it's 1997. And when mm. I challenge that, say, why do you why do you want that? What's that really going to give you? Yeah. Where's the innovation? If you've got innovation as a product, why aren't you taking that and, and you're threading through everything that you do? how you recruit, how you train people, how you onboard. You've got the privilege of writing. You don't need to be reading up anybody else's case study because that fits them. It might not fit you. Go be the case study. I think think, like and and they don't they go oh yeah interview one with so and so interview two with so and so and there'll be a panel entry five and then there's a presentation and I'm like and what you do and and again I've I've personally had this several times this uh, this month is gone through all the hoops Turns out two of them didn't actually have roles. They took mm. everything from the presentation just because they needed the ideas. And two was actually writing somebody's whole strategy as a business, as a startup, which I spent an hour doing. And they came back and said, yeah, we don't actually have a role. Uh, I was just sort of working out what we might have for, for later on. And you're like, well, why didn't you tell me that in the first place? What an utter waste of time. Oh. Um, and it's so disrespectful yeah. because it they're is. taking what they need and they're, you know, some people will put 10, 15 hours research into the interview process. Where's mm. the commitment from the company? They've turned up and yeah. they haven't even properly read your CV. Yes. Oh, we can talk it's about something. And so all of that. So the yes. whole process is just, it, it, it's just disgusting. Now, I have worked with a couple of boutique people where they have small yeah. outfits, where they've either got one or three or four people, and they have served me very well in terms of they listen mm. well, they, they ask good yeah. questions. Yeah. I feel that that person representing me in the next stage of my career, I feel confident about. I don't feel confident about 90% of the people I've spoken to thinking that that person's come across the phone like an idiot, an absolute moron. This is the person that's actually going to go speak to the client on my behalf. I'm not comfortable with that. How do you get around? It's like, well, then do you then go direct and say, yeah, so-and-so, you know, is an absolute moron. So I've just got to put my CV forward anyway. Yeah. And you don't want to be disrespectful and cut out the process or be rude because, no. because that's where you see the advert. But the same way is, this is my career. And I'm really uncomfortable about having idiots represent me uh, into to the next level of clients. It, it really does worry me that. I, I think there's a duty of care and a responsibility. I call it the three C's with the candidate, with the consultant, and with the company. Now, the candidate, what the candidate's got to do is not go to the recruiter. He's got to, he's got to you know, show up and, or he or she's got to show up on time. They've got to be presentable. They've got, they've got to do their part of the thing. They've got to do their research. Yeah. They've got, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, the company needs to have, needs to be interviewing, not, not just on gut feeling. They need to have, yes, match the CV to the JD, but also think about, what are the what are the reasons why we're hiring this person? What are our values? And kind of have a robust interview process that's 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 a decision making process that's built on the right foundation, as opposed to two people saying yes and the third person saying, I don't really know why. It's just a gut feeling. I just don't think they're quite right based on absolutely nothing. And or they'll do their three, four, five interviews presentation, and then they'll the feedback will be like, well, we're not really sure why. We, we do the, you know it's just that that duty of care and as you say the consultant needs to be representing the candidate and the client in, in the best light as possible but also the consultant needs to move out their own way sometimes so even at office stage right the consultant will want to try and tree hug and and, and and control that process i say no the consultant needs to move out and get the candidate and the client speaking as much as possible because that brings them together so i think i think it's, it's, it's a complex process um uh, and all three people need to need to be playing the game 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, like I say you're a background of recruitment. If you could, if you had a magic wand and said, okay, we would change it, what, what, what would you change it to? What would be the ideal scenario for interviews? Well, that's I'll, a big I'll, question. I'll, I guess I'll, I could I'll, do a topic I'll, on that. Probably want to flip it back to you, but for me, for me, uh, I was gonna, literally going to ask you that question. I, I don't think you need to have more than three interviews, but I think the interviews itself they need to be kind of situation based, not kind of like what's your biggest weakness? You know, if you was an animal, what would you be? All those kind oh, of questions. I, do you know what? Yeah. I refuse to answer those questions now. <laughs> I know. I literally have refused yeah. to answer those questions. Yeah. We had one uh, a couple of years ago, and they said. Oh, you know, this and I just looked and there was a panel of four people. So you feel like you've been lined up to get shot. Right. Yeah. Um, and I was like, sorry. And they said, oh, if you're an animal, what would you be and why? Yes. And of course, I had to hold myself because I thought I'm actually going to laugh here. This is just this is just mortifying. Yes. And I thought, sorry, no. And I said, no. if you can explain to me the relevance of that question yes. and actually how it's going to say to you, that I've got the skills to go and deliver what you need based on this is the remit, I'll mm. answer that question. Mm. But mm. if it's one of those, oh, quirky questions, air quotes, that just, you know, we throw in there and have a bit of laugh in there, because there is no way of quantifying it. There's no way of measuring it. It doesn't mean jack shit. So what's no. the point? Yes. Yeah. Ask, ask me a grown-up yeah. question, please. So, I, I, yeah. I, I always think the importance of the candidate's questions are just as important as their answers. Someone who's actually inquisitive and is willing to challenge, and you know, it's always a red flag. If a client's not willing to do that, I, I wouldn't work for anyone that's not willing to answer my questions or be challenged as well. Um, that's another, a very good point, actually, because like, when I go back and start to say, you know, some, some questions, okay, the job description says this, and you're looking for that. Um, and you've explained because, of course, everybody's going in on their you know best footing, aren't they? You know, you're saying, "Oh yeah, I'm yeah. amazing at this." The company said, "No, we're amazing at that." And say, "Okay, these are the things that you've told me about." If I went and asked your best employee, your most engaged employee, what their experience like, what would they say? Oh well, you know, da 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 da. Okay, if I go and ask your most challenging, most awkward, most annoying, actually, is two foot almost out the door, what would they say and why? Yeah. And how do you care about that? So tell me what's not on the job description. Tell me what are the things you're not telling me. What are the things yes. you're talking about? And people are really uncomfortable when I ask those sorts of questions. Hmm. But people join businesses, and I, th I think I think you know the interview situation, how how a company is portrayed to a to a candidate is not always the reality. I think we can say that the candidate was. I, I did a post last week, um, so yesterday about. I think behaviours, attitudes are more important, or if not more important, than skills and experience. Right. Yeah. And I've got loads of likes and comments. So that's really good. And a couple of people said, well. Hold on a second, I don't get that. Someone can come in and demonstrate really good behaviours and attitude. How do you how do you actually test their behaviours, attitudes in an interview? How what would you say to that? How 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 would you assess things like that in an interview Again, process? Yeah, but that comes back to it's a two way street, and they should be doing the research on the person. Yeah, right. So anybody who's interviewing, they can go look at my CV and go, okay, she's done this, this, and this. Yeah. Okay, but if you go onto my LinkedIn profile. You can yeah. see how I show up. You can see how I connect. You can Absolutely. see how I write. You can mm. see what's I'm passionate about. You can see what, what drives us. You can get yeah. the sass and the personality and mm. the passion around people. That all comes from doing a bit of research. Yeah. And so it's, again, rather a, than it's, say, a oh, it's a two-way street, isn't it? You're saying that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the same way is it's like, yes, you know, I get that, that, you know, we get the code, oh, they're not quite culturally fit. Okay, well, define what that means. Well, I can't quite put my finger on it, but but it's just that, and it yeah. comes back to your thing with the, with the gut feeling. And again, let's remember that psychologically, you've got people who will respond well to people very similar, like, 
You know, it's mm. almost like that's why they, they reckon that you always marry somebody within 10 miles or somebody who reminds you ends up being looked like your mum, right? <laughs> I can't remember where I read that, but I have actually read that. Right. And um, it's just quite funny. Um, so people want to see their own behaviour reflected back. Mm. Mm. And that's why I said to people, okay, so before you go and interview anybody, what are your behaviours? How do you show up? What makes yeah. you uncomfortable? What makes you uncomfortable? Uh-huh. And actually, if you do that as an individual, and then you say to, let's just say the, the three other people on the call, okay, so what's this person got to bring? What is, as a unit, what are we lacking? Yeah, absolutely. You know? um, and, and get quite, that thing to me, like let's say, get quite diagnostic, understand what you are, where yeah. you are as a starting point, and then say, okay, and so it's not just based on a role, uh, a HR role, uh, that's that's the obvious, it's like, yeah, but but what are we lacking as a, mm. as a, as a you know, as a leadership yeah. team, what's going to complement us, what are we good at, what we're not good at, let's get somebody who's not, very, who's better at that than us, because then that will help augment our team, and strengthen totally. the team as a whole unit, because it's about, you know, the collaboration, not an individual. Yeah. Absolutely. And going back to your point when a recruitment consultant tries to qualify a JD, I mean, so many of my clients, they'll spend, as you say, 45 minutes on the phone to a client, put the phone down. Oh, no, I know all about the client. You know, I know exactly what they're looking for. Um, but they don't know anything really about the, the, the nuances of, 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 of the actual culture. So they don't ask questions around. So, Lisa, so why did you take the role here? What, what's one thing that really annoys you about the business? Um, what was, you know, just kind of get, get an understanding of the real situation of um not just the binary skills but you're actually what you're deep the skill you're you're looking for the skills but what you're looking for someone with ambition drive who's honest and value-led all that kind of i think those kind of softer skills are are just as important as, as all the other stuff i think but i'd argue that the word i i, I actually don't like the word soft skill because if you think about yeah. that okay people call them soft skills don't you but they are commercially viable skills because recruitment is expensive. It's expensive to get it wrong. Mm. So, mm. like I say, doing that deep dive of actually understanding who the person yeah. is, their DNA, their makeup, it, there's nothing mm. fluffy about that. No. Um, but you it, know, if, if, if a business is just only willing to send a, send a JD out and not willing to answer those questions, I wouldn't take yeah. it on as a job. But this is a bit like, and if a consultant's not asking the right questions, don't do that consultant. If they can, it's always, that's why it's a three way thing. Yeah, yeah. As a consultant, you've got to make that decision and as a client and as a candidate. So, yeah. again, we can all blame the other party. Actually, all three of us, I think, are accountable, in my view. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Like I say, but, but when you're on the other side of it, it's like, well, you've got yeah. people that you think, I don't want that person representing me. So do I go direct to the business or do I just walk away from it? You know, um, and so like I say, so yeah, that's sort of uh, three or four weeks has been very interesting to say the least. <laughs> well, that's good. So you, you've, you've mainly worked at sort of big organisations. You, you've moved around no, a lot. Well. No, I've always worked in startup and scale-up businesses. Oh, wow. Okay. I purposely that? stayed away from big corporates because um, I did a consultancy gig many years ago um, and I was terribly frustrated at the lack of accountability. Being responsible and being accountable are two different things, but the lack of accountability, things didn't mm. move quick enough. I, I work in a agile, but I like to run around with my head on fire at 400 miles an hour. I like to get to know everybody very, very quickly, make decisions, get involved in the entire business, not just the sum of you know HR and stay in your lane. You know, I get yeah. involved in the finances, I get involved in like say doing, um, you know, uh, uh, packs for investors uh, I get involved in seed rounds I get involved in marketing um, not that I'm expert on any of it by the way just um, you know yeah. it's like actually I can add some value here I have a different perspective how have you thought about what can I help with can I help with that because I don't know how to do that but I want to learn 
because I'm a very curious person's nature. So, um, so I've always worked in sort of started in scale-ups because that suits my my personality and I where I can add the most value and also it's where I thrive you know um, and that's why I love what I do and, and naively I want everybody to be as passionate as I am about their job and so many HR people I speak to now are like do you know what I'm so fed up of HR I actually want to leave it and it breaks my heart and it's like and that comes back from the environment they're in they've got no support they've got yeah. no nothing yeah. you know they can't do anything innovative they can't do anything new they're still using forms from 1998 it's just, you know one in one out it, there's nothing there's nothing sexy or fun or interesting or you know it, about just, it so it, yeah. it stops people from thriving I think that the, the, the case is generally HR seen as this kind of like nice to have as opposed to I, I see it as you should be part of the board meetings you should be part of the strategic direction of the business because I think a bit of quality HR function is directly responsible in part for the performance of the team yeah, because we have KPIs. You know, we're responsible in part and, and in whole with, like, say, the costs. Costs of the you know, everybody's about yeah. costs. You know, you 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 exist because you're you're feeding the shareholders their dips. Okay, let's call it what it is. There's always shareholders, and they've always got to have a fat wallet. Okay, that's the point. They put their money in early. They build something. They get the reward later. Okay, that 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 you know, um, that's a fact for every business. Okay whether it's a charity or not, there's still somebody at the end of it. Okay, so everybody's accountable to somebody, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but when you've got the this kind of like, okay, well, we get that, but in the meantime, we've all got to deliver. Everybody's got KPIs or, okay, what do you want to call them? Mm. So they're all about money. How many people have you taken on? How many people do we need? You know, when you're talking about OD, how many people do we need? What skills do we need in the business? Two years later in the startup, the people that you started with aren't the people that you now need going forward that changes it has to um, and so you have to make some difficult decisions and those your heart says well they've been with us from the beginning but the, the actually the business has, has morphed into something else they yeah. have to be skilled up skilled trained or actually moved out of the business it's not personal that's just growth um, and so then you know you have to then run fine that's all time and money effort but from expertise yeah. but they're still accountable of how much have you spent how many overhead do we need why do we need it um, you know, things like absences, you start to get into a bigger, all of that good stuff, the cost of holidays, the cost of doing benefits, everything is a cost. So, of course, you would be in any kind of leadership team meeting because you're reporting on how much you're spending on behalf of the business. And mm. some of that, 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 that spend is money and some of that is time. You know, we're yeah. going to do initiative A, we want investment of B and the output will be C, which will enhance the product, enhance the, mm. it, it makes no difference, but it, it's all transient. So, of course, you'd be part of the conversation. Oh, uh, here's you know assets, here's overheads, here's a much such and such cost, here's the impact of sales gone down. Yeah, yeah, because all of that is relative to it comes down the funnel. It's like, well, you can't have that without your people. You can't grow by 20% as according to the strategy if we don't invest in X, Y, and Z because of so why would you not be part of that conversation? Because you're the expert to to have that conversation with, right? So have you called out quite a lot of um, CEOs or, or owners or who in the past and the examples of that? Yes. Yeah. I, again, uh, when I've gone into a big, I usually report directly to CEO or, or CFO. I don't quite get that fit, but but I respect that some people are just like, well, we're, that's where we've done it. Okay. Well, we'll do that for now, but don't get comfortable. I'm not taking my coat off because I won't be sitting in the seat long. And it's not about being precious about who you're reporting to, but again, it's being that you know confident of the CEO, being that trusted advisor, yeah. You know, having that very candid relationship of of okay, this is going right. Actually, 
you're not seeing this because those guys are telling you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what you don't want to hear, but this is actually what's coming down your pipeline. Mm. I've got a different lens, a different eyes and ears. I'm hearing things yeah. differently than you do. So that yeah. trusted um, confidential advisor. So got into company and say, okay, yeah, I need to report to CEO, and this is the reason why. And I coach a lot of people offline. So, well, I'm reporting into a head of ops. Why? Um, I don't know. Well, does it fit? No. No. Well, how do you get out of that? Well, I don't know. That's why I'm on the phone to you, Lisa. It's usually the conversation. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, and, and that's to say, so we do, again, um, you know, some, some coaching for people on that so that they are able to go mm-hmm. in the room and have a conversation and have that dialect of actually, yeah, you know, let me put my myself forward. Let me put this pitch forward. Let me help you to understand yeah. what value. And, and again, a lot of people are very open to it in terms of, well, actually, let's give it a try. What's the mm-hmm. worst thing that can happen? No yeah. puppies are going to die through this event. So therefore, what's the worst thing that can happen? I and it's just it's about, really... again, that growth mindset, being open-minded of yeah. what's possible rather than staying in the safety net of this is what we've always done. And I'd everything lo- is possible. If, if, if I had my time again, I'd love to hire you or someone like you because having that, I mean, I thought I was quite close to my team, but I, I, I think the team will only, only tell the CEO most some things, not all things. And I think you can be that bridge between... Yes. Uh, the reality and that and then and feeding it up to, to a CEO who's open and ready to receive that and, and then make changes based on that as opposed to like some I think some exit interviews aren't even worth the paper they're written on because there's no point doing a bloody exit interview if you're not going to take the feedback right oh absolutely yeah they are an utter waste of time because they say people they'll either do one or two things they'll write it and it's like super angry because that's the way they're going okay and again it's like well take the emotion out of it there's, there's three or four action points there we can take forward but, but people tend not to. They go, all right, yeah, just file it. Well, then just don't do it. Yeah. It's not going to add value and you're not going to take some responsibility. What's the point of doing it? Or, yeah. uh, and, and the thing is now, because of online um, reviews and stuff, you have some angry people, disgruntled people, um, and it's brand damaging. And it's like really, you know, people can put their voice out there and, and I respect that, but it's so brand damaging. It's like, yeah, for every one that you've put on there, you have to put like a good five on. Um, I recently worked with a company who had some really bad reviews and they had gone around and asked in a way that ask but tell, could you go and put some positive reviews on because we need to wash through the bad ones? Right. No, you need wow. to sort your shit out and own it. Yes. It's what you need to do. <laughs> right? yeah. um, so- That's why I, th- I think glass door is, is, is nonsense. You just don't know whether it's real or not. No, but, but it's there, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If it's up there, it's up there, right or wrong, it's up there, and it can be brand damaging. So, um, yeah, yeah. On 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 the point of, of of hiring, recruitment consultancies are they all hopefully would admit really bad at hiring, which is a bit of a paradox because that's what they do for their business. But I think I think I think that um, it's really important that you don't just put bums on seats. That's easy to say, but it's, it's is about having a clear vision, mission, and values that you can articulate internally and externally. Yeah. Um, with values that, that and then it's about the type of people that you want and then it's about getting your team on board to promote that externally and internally and then when you're hiring um, you've got them through the door it doesn't stop there you've got to have a tight onboarding induction program learning development program you know and kind of like and even if they do go you've put go to go which I love it's about red carpet in red carpet out and I think there's so many areas along that process that recruitment consultancies and businesses to get completely wrong 
Well, onboarding is another one, isn't it? You know, how many times have we, we joined an organisation? Now, slightly different from my own personal, because I started a startup. Some of them have been two people in someone's kitchen. We've grown it like 500 people. So you expect, here's a laptop, here's a pen, uh, right? We'll sort shit out as we go. Uh, that's fine, because you know that that's part and parcel of it. But when mm-hmm. I then get into companies who start to stuff, it's like, okay, well, we need to we need to have something that, that one, even when they've got a working notice, you're still in contact with them. So that they don't yeah. feel like the newbie when they come. They're very comfortable. They're very familiar. You've met them in person, which obviously now we can appreciate. Obviously, the last couple of years has been difficult to do that. But, um, you know, meet people in person. But, but yeah, like I say, get to know them as an individual. Get yeah. them involved in things way before they start. So when they come, it's not like, oh, awkward new day. Um, and then it's not like, here's your laptop, here's a pen. Um, yeah, go speak to so-and-so and, and you'll sort the rest out. It's like, yeah. how rude is that? You know, if you yeah. brought somebody to your home, let's just take the analogy. You bring somebody to your home and say, I tell you what, uh, yeah, please come out for dinner. Yeah, bring some friends. We're going to have a lovely time. Okay, let's do that. And you go to the door, you go, oh, yeah, uh, kitchen's that way. And uh, I think there's a coffee machine. And uh, actually, I'm off out with my mates. See you later. Have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't dream of it, would you? You go, hi, let me take your coat. Oh, I've got something cooking on the stove. Uh, yeah, got some, oh, I brought yeah. some nice wine. You brought nice wine. Great. You know. You'd make an effort, you'd make them, you'd smooth mm. them, you'd make them feel welcome, you'd make them feel included. They would have a lovely experience and they would leave you home thinking, oh my God, Chris is amazing. That was a great night. I've had such a laugh. And oh my God, I must get that recipe. You come away with that feeling mm-hmm. nurtured, fulfilled, excited. You've had a lovely time. It yeah. shouldn't be any different. No, I agree. What examples have you got for you personally? Because I often think the best coaches are the ones that have gone through the stuff they're trying to help their clients with and I th- I've got a sense that even in your journey you've had your own kind of grievances and that kind of stuff can you talk to us about those um what in particular I, I've got you know any, yeah any, any times when you feel like you know you've you've been the vic- not the victim but you've been on the wrong end of something yourself that, 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 that we could resonate with as an audience well actually quite an interesting one was uh, a number of years ago I worked with a company there's, there's two things here. One uh, proper made me angry and the other just was like eye rolling. But but let me know. Um, I was working in London with a company, she'll name unnamed. Um, and I had a, a couple of guys who had come in and said, could they, we had meeting rooms that we used and there was one that wasn't used very much. And one of the lads had come up and said, can we use that uh, as a prayer room? Uh, because by the time we get and go and get changed and go back, it, it's a bit Absolutely. It's very rarely used. Let's go and clean it up. Let's make it a nice place to go and be. Um, we'll, you know, book it like a normal meeting so that you've got it booked. Now, if the business needs it for any emergencies, not a problem. That'll always take the priority on those days you can't. But however, let's do that and let's everybody know. Um, and it can be, you know, you can go pray in there. You can go and have some quiet space. I think it's a great idea. And actually, we can be a multi-purpose room. But, but you know, thanks for asking. And the absolutely answer is yes. I was then, we did that. Um, I was then hauled in by the owner of the business at the time who said I was encouraging religion into his business. He was a US guy, uh, not a UK guy. And I was shocked. I was horrified. And I was so angry. Mm. Absolutely. Now, for legal reasons, I can't actually say what I said to him. But it was, you can imagine. (laughs) You can imagine. I went absolutely nuclear. Um, and the relationship from there was fractured and it never really recovered. And I left not, not long after. Um, but, um, but when we got to the end of it, it was like, um, he then 
had um, I got the, the the whiplash tale of that because he then came back and said I'm not sure you're right for the business Lisa because right. uh, the things that you put on LinkedIn we don't really like your style and actually you're damaging the the co the, com the company culture which I was Seriously? devastated about because we had built something absolutely amazing me and my colleagues in HR um, everybody raved about it and that I was I was so um, I took that really personally. I was so upset, and it wasn't that I'd written anything uh, uh, no. toward. It wasn't that because he didn't like it because I had a voice. He didn't like it because I didn't agree with him. He didn't like it because I wasn't of mm. his opinions that certain people shouldn't work there, and 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 it, go, it goes against everything I believe in, um, mm. and everything to do with inclusion. And uh, yeah, I yeah. was appalled, but I ended up getting blamed for other things because he just wanted me out of the business as quick as because um i didn't agree with his ethics and i told him so so it, it ultimately that at that time it cost me uh you know my role wow did you resign or were you kind of forced out forced out wow wow yeah so you, you your first um first hand experience of you know what happens and it's, it's it, i mean it's 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 very not just demoralizing but it's, it's stressful it's 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 draining it's 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 it, it, the impacts there and then, but also the wider impact of a future employer looking, asking you that question, you've got to kind of navigate it, or you've got to kind of, you can't necessarily tell the full truth. It's just this, yeah. the connotations are wide, aren't they? Yes, yeah, like I say, and, and unless you've kind of, like, yeah, it, it was uh, upsetting, it was stressful, um, it did cause us mm. a lot of issues. Um, but you know what, Chris, if the time came again, I would stand up yeah. for my people yeah. and I would take that shit again. And, and yeah. actually, I then took it as like, well, you're a moron and, uh, and good luck with you. Um, and a couple of years later, the, the company has now shut down. So he wasn't that yeah. fabulous, was he? But, um, but no, but if it came to it again, I would stick up with my morals, my ethics, yeah. what I believe in. And I will always be values first and respect first and inclusion first over and above being having to play the kind of corporate game of, well, I'm the boss and this is how it goes. No, yeah. that doesn't sit right with my moral compass. I, I'm not. In, I'm not engaging with that. I agree Never. with that. On that LinkedIn point that you touched on, um, I think there's so many businesses out there that uh, don't allow individual people like yourself to say what well, they have a free voice. But I, yes. I, I think it, it only encourages. I think um, that authenticity and the values that you want. So th I think this is where companies they're, they're so kind of they're sort of kind of like what's the word um, single minded and they lack mm. perspective. And actually, no, allow the per within reason, have a framework, have a guideline. Yeah. You can't talk about really heinous things, but what's your take on that? No, again, I'd like to say that's why I get a lot of attraction on LinkedIn, simply because so many, I mean, I literally get thousands of messages a day saying, thank you for saying that. You're saying what yeah. we, we think, but we don't. And I wrote an article not long ago, I'll have to republish it actually, which says, take the tape off of HR's mouth. I'm not yeah. saying anything that's that's causing anybody. Any, what we're saying is a whole industry, you know, this is what we're doing and we kind of need to do better. We talk about, you know, inclusion, but actually our practices aren't inclusive. So, you know, let's take an action here. So for me, they're progressive, thought-provoking um, pieces that get people to think actually how could we do that better and we should yeah. do that better so yeah. so for me it's like trying to drag people into it's 2023 let's let's you know make it a people-centric mm. people-focused arena which can only yeah. bring strength to any business I'm not sort of being a, a you know a, a, an idiot for the sake of being an idiot you know it's just like I'm not writing anything oh this company did it that's not what I'm doing you know I'm not company bashing anybody no. um, and it's not no. personal um, but yeah to me Progress and change is never easy. 
But unless somebody stands up and says we need to do better, guess what? It doesn't happen. And that's the time, you know, if you think about the whole history of change, that's what happens. Somebody makes some noise, somebody makes some ripples, somebody makes an argument, somebody has a discussion, has a different point of view. But they're courageous enough to stand up and say it. With, with inclusion, you mentioned it a few times. I mean, it, mm. it, it's getting better, right? But we're just, t- a lot of people are just doing it for, for, for plenty. They're not really doing it. Would you say that's a fair? Yeah, tick box. Um, and what really was a, a, you know, when kind of a point where you were, wow, okay, is during COVID, I think it was the first, maybe, maybe the second lockdown. There was that many, I lose count. Um, and um, and you would see the kind of roles, and, and again, I was keeping them in place. And there was like ED&I roles that were like six month, 12 month fixed term contracts. Yeah. And they popped up everywhere. And my biggest argument was that's a start, but you're just putting a, a, a lipstick on a yeah. pig here, aren't you? Because you're thinking, well, go in and we'll write some policies and we'll understand it a little bit. And then we don't need that person. It's like, no, again, it has to be threaded into everything that you do, the way that you behave, the way that you yeah. understand people. You have to give everybody a different environment, a different level of support so that everybody's got the same opportunities. Does that make sense? I don't know if I've described that very well, but, yeah, but that's the point. Yeah. Um, and, and so lots of people are tick boxing of, mm. of quota filling. Yeah. Um, and well, it's not about that. I know. I'm it's that, that's the most offensive thing that happens, right? Oh, of course. And on a slightly different tip, I noticed one of the almost successful posts had about 50 or thousand likes and 4 million views. And you talked about the industry. And I, I love that point that you made around, um, well, perhaps you can make it, the, the point around where companies get so fixated, or oh, they have to come from this industry, otherwise they're, they're not right. What's, what's your view on that? <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that, that post did go, uh, did go a bit bonkers. Because again, yeah. uh, it, it was at the time when I was looking for all, when I'd, I'd got feedback to say, well, you're not from our industry. Now, the legal industry, the finance industry, um, the leisure industry um, are, are a bit like that. Uh, and in fact, retail, yeah. if, if you haven't been working in one of ours, then we, yeah. we you know, we don't want you. Now, want my you. argument yeah. then is, well, I'll come in from a different perspective and a different point of view. And then that diversity of thought is going to bring strength. It's going to bring a different, you know, different dynamic. That's mm. that's growth. That's great right but people like to stay in the lane well if you're not worked in legal yet well because you know we have our own ways and we have our own language well then you're going to get what you've always got and yes. you know and i get that you know when you've got say finance and legal it's different they have centuries of stuff that they still do the same way there's a reason for that i'm not knocking that you know in certain statutes etc etc but um it's just about well what's going to happen if you do something a bit different actually you know, when you're talking about you having trouble kind of recruiting people into particular industries, that's why you so stayed in your ways. Yeah. Um, and so that's why that that particular post blew up, because I kind of said, well, yeah. hang on a minute. As much as you think you're special, you're really not because you've got human beings. You've got yeah. good managers. You've got bad managers. You've got great people. You've got people that aren't right for the business. You've got same absence problems. You've got same performance problems as everybody else. There's nothing special about your industry. Um, And and that was my thing. It's like, well, go change it. And actually, you might want to learn something. But but that comes back from a place of growth mindset versus fixed mindset. I think that's really important. And we're sort of coming towards the end. But on on, on that sort of similar theme, I used to be, I hold my hands, I used to be the, the person, this is 10 years ago, looking at a CV. Oh, no, they've moved around three, four times. They can't be any good. Actually, I feel the opposite now. And your kind of statement of go to grow, I think it's a, wraps it up really well. What's your view on kind of 
Right. Yeah, well, again, if we start then getting into kind of intergenerational uh, views, um, mm. I must actually send it, I wrote a paper on uh, Gen Z. The world's changing. Okay, people have portfolio careers now. Yeah. You know, a lot of people in HR, they kind of get to a senior point and then they'll go off and they'll do some, some years of consultancy because it means they can get into other industries. It means they can diversify their, their knowledge. It means that they get to have to work on really rapid projects. So again, that, that comes back to agility. So you do that because that's your next level of when you've got to the top, you go, where do you go from here? Well, you either have your own consultancy or you do some consultancy because then that what's, you know, you continue your, your CPD. Uh, and then at some point, like me, I've like gone done that for a few years. I'm like, actually, I miss the team. I miss the, the, the yeah. see what happens in chapter two and, and all of that good stuff. So, um, and then you get, you know, questions are asked, well, well why are you going, why did you go into consultancy? Well, um, it's like, well, you know, you've got a number of variables in that. Mm. Um, there is no one right path for everybody. So no. one, there used to be a job for life. Okay. Yes. That doesn't exist anymore. Okay. So that's mm. changed. Um, two, yes, you know, you can stay with the company, be loyal to the company, but if you can't get promoted, you know, you have no other choice but to go and no. grow, right? No. Um, so then you have to go. Now, that growth might come in quick succession um, for various different reasons. So, um, yes, and, and like you, I used to be uh, like that when we go to get CVs like you know, 10, 15 years ago. It's like, yeah, that was yeah. an indicator they they're a bit restless and and they wouldn't stay so why would you take them on because you're going to do the onboarding and do the training and then yeah. they're not you know it's not going to you're not going to get return on investment whereas now i'm thinking well if you get two or three years out of somebody they've delivered well yeah great and if you've mm. given them enough to go and grow great because that person's going to recommend you and maybe a referral mm. um etc etc so so now a lot more people have portfolio careers um especially in roles and um and I encourage it and again intergenerating Gen Z people don't stay for very long. They're going to move. No. They don't buy mortgages. They'll go and rent because they'll go anywhere for the right role because it Absolutely. gives them the balance, it gives them the work, it gives them whatever they need. They're a far more transient bunch than we ever were. But again, that mm. comes back from different generations being taught different things. We were taught that you'd stayed in your job. You were taught that you've worked at 16 and you worked hard and you got promoted. That was your route. Whereas now yep. there's all of these other options, digitally and otherwise, that means you can work global and still stay in your front room, right? That didn't exist before. You know, 65% of the jobs that are here now in the next 15 years will not exist. That's a frightening That's number. So then you think, well, what skills does a business need to be able to map that? Yeah. Identify that, to get ahead of that? Yeah. We're all far too reactive. And this, this, this is why... Um... I know you've used that term before, the word family in business around, oh, it's like a family here. And it's like, I, I, I do question that in terms of, like, I think some organisations expect you to be a family member and stay for the rest of your life. And it's like, come on, actually. Um, if, 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 I've, if I've built someone up to a point where they, they want to go somewhere else, I, th I think, fair, fair play to them. Let's, let's, let's move on from that. Um, before we go, um, two more questions. Um, mm. What are the biggest things men can do to help women and women could do to help men in the workplace and what's the biggest thing that pisses you off about recruitment okay good and the first question that's a big question gosh um uh, again men for women and men again it, for me it shouldn't be about gender it should be about mutual respect and support regardless but yeah. again, recognizing that you know we would we we can't lie here and, and know that you know there are very more 
vulnerabilities in business with females in, in a male-dominated yeah. industry than, than the other way around, but it does happen. Mm. Um, so there is not a quick fix to that. But again, um, to me, it's about speak up. Yeah. You know, work collaboratively because men have different skills, women have different skills. And it's mm. not men versus women. It's actually no. you take the skills that you're good at, I'll take the skills that I'm good at, and, and together we'll be unstoppable. Together we, we're not competing against each other. We shouldn't have to. Mm. You know, there are natural traits that some are better than others. Um, support yeah. people, regardless of male or female. If, if they need support, support them. Stop seeing it as a gender thing and actually seeing it as a human being thing. Take, yeah. take down the walls of, of gender. I think, I think we have different skills, but I think that, and that's a good thing, because we can actually enhance each other's skill sets by, you know, a woman, a woman may be able to teach a man more around the empathetic type of leadership and a, and a man may be able to help a woman more with other stuff. It doesn't yeah. have to be like that. But it doesn't have to be like that, but it, 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 well, it, there shouldn't be any any um, difference between the two. No, but because, you know, you've got the adversity when you talk about being a woman and you're having a career and you have some time to have a baby. Now, yeah. remember years ago, I got overpassed for a promotion because I'd come back after having my second little boy. Um, and the guy that they took on to cover my maternity leave when it came back there was a promotion and he got it and when I'd asked why again it was it just didn't understand um that I was going to come back to my job um and then you know the promotion was there because I'd done I'd done the legwork I'd done the blood sweat and tears and it came back oh well um how can you expect to get a promotion you've been off for nine months wow wow so I said, well, pardon me for having a vagina. I'll try not to have one of them in my next life. Um, and that was, that was my response because I just couldn't help myself. I was like, whatever. Um, yeah. You know, and as a result of that, I, I said, okay, well, it is what it is. And uh, yeah, I moved on. But, 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 but the lack of regard, lack of understanding, the the, the arrogance of, of yeah. that. Yeah. So, so, yeah, you know, um, so that again, so when um and i know that there's a couple of people on, on linkedin that speak to very uh, especially about women going back to the workplace you know if we think about the workplace now nearly every single role is full-time chris okay we talk about right. it doesn't need to be right. people don't know how to do you know we used to do part-time and job share and there's lots of different ways that you know just because you're a project manager doesn't mean it has to be a full-time role it could be right. a number of but people just don't want to put the work in or the effort into actually working out how else they could do it so nearly everything is full-time 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 unless it's admin in which I use it's part-time because it's like mm-hmm. subservice it's just like oh, it's a bit of admin and, and a woman can do it and it's so offensive um and the same way as then the amount of time women get off and having a baby versus you know with men and obviously that's now calibrated and people can share but in in years ago you know when you're a dad you got a week off uh when you're you know when I was there it was you got six months off it's like well well dads want to spend time with their children too right and you know this so so that you know we've seen some massive changes for the better in that area Uh, but again mindsets at the top are you know women are less equal to because they've had time out to have a baby well yeah yeah and, and that, you know, we won't solve it. I don't believe we'll solve that in my lifetime. I'd like to think we'd, we'd more roads in, but but it's still too many people think the same way. Of, I agree. Yeah, you've been out of the business too long. You, you're not, you know, you Maybe. no longer come back. You're not commercially aware anymore. You're not able to make decisions. You look tired because you no. have a baby. Well, yeah. so does the husband. But nobody questions him when he goes to work. And he, they're only had two hours kit between them. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely. and there's nothing more painful than sleep deprivation, right? Remember those days? Um, yeah. But nobody questions the guy, so you look tired. Oh, yeah, I've been up all night with the baby. 
they just say it's the woman you look tired therefore you yeah, are as good as, as yeah. like your working mum you never really hear the same working dad do you it's just like yeah, yeah you know I've had a career and you know I'd have lots of mums in the playgrounds who would be like oh she's here is she oh she didn't make that costume herself no, because I because I'm working for a living, because I'm halfway yes. around the world, because I chose to have a career. They have my boys have two parents and, and my husband would pick the kids up and, and do most of the same. I would be there every time I could, but the times I couldn't. Oh, but where's your husband? Oh, he's away doing this, he's working. Never a bat an eyelid, but if I wasn't uh, there, there mm-hmm. so so yeah, the, the playground mums can be a cruel bunch. Um, sure. even sure. you know, women supporting women, but oh, wow, catty lot. <laughs> so go on then. <laughs> Go on then. Yeah. Let's, end on, let's, end on a, let's end on a high about recruitment. Go on. What pisses you off about it? Oh gosh. Um, yeah. Uh, again, I think the process is too clunky. Uh, generally, too many recruiters, recruitment companies, have recruiters that are twenty-something who know nothing about the industry. They, like you said, they they don't know about the job description. They're reading off a script. They're telling yeah. the client, yeah, they've got this, this, and this. They don't really know to has to have. They haven't had any training of that job in question, and do not start me about rec to rec. I used to work next door to a company, and it was the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. You'd yeah. have the young lad on the phone lying to the client. Mm. You'd have and then speak to the candidate, lying to the candidate, putting the two together. You're starting a relationship with both based on, oh yeah, yeah, they'll do all the hours God sends, blah 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 blah. Yeah. Versus, oh yeah, yeah, no, they're fully committed. They can do ninety hours a week for you, mate. And I'd heard that firsthand. Mm. And then you would literally go and see them. And then you're like, so you've lied your face off there. And you've lied your face off there. You, you're happy. You're ringing your bell. You've got your commission. Yeah. That's just going to end in disaster. Yeah. So, so yeah, they, uh, yeah. So I'm really, really loving that you're going to shake it up because it does. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. through a process, <laughs> too focused on money, not enough on actually quality of relationships. There's enough yeah. to go around. Yeah. I don't don't want to, you know, the whole industry, I say whole industry, that, that's not most of the industry, not all. Mm. Yeah. Would there sell are. Granny for a quid for and, and that's and that's what they're encouraged. That's the arena that they're taught. That's yeah. the environment that they're yeah. they're you know they're they're given their training with. So so it's not anybody's fault, but it's like anything. If that's how you're taught, that's how you behave. Mm. I think that's a case in a lot of industries and recruitment gets a lot of bad press and you don't get bad press necessarily unless there's some justification behind it. So I I take that on board. But I also think there are some recruitment consultancies that are the true meaning of that word. They are actually consultancies. And I think that's the point. You you can't call yourself a recruitment consultant if you're doing what you've just described. A real consultant does the stuff that we've talked about earlier where they get under the skin, they understand, they add value, they consult. That's the difference, right? Yeah, and that's why, you know, time and time again, when I speak to the, the, the startups and, the, and the, like, so the, the smaller outfits, their integrity yeah. is, is amazing. It's yes. off the scale. Um, and that's why I'd go back with them again. And the irony of it all is when I put myself out there looking for a job, you have some people will say, yeah, you know, we've got some things or we've got some conversations and we network, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Don't hear much from some of the big ones. The moment I get a job, my inbox yeah. is full of how can we help you? Well, sorry, yeah. Paul, and I say this now when I don't get who listens to it. If you can't show up for me now, please don't show up for me later. Because yeah. again, it's about building a relationship. It's about that helping each other out. It's about treating people with respect. And so if you all take, then you can take off. It's a great way to end. Well, thank you so much. I was going to ask where can people find you, but LinkedIn's your main area, right? The only place you'll find me. Uh, I, I think <laughs> I think that's enough. 
yeah, you do. You, you, it's an absolute pleasure. I want to do a follow up in, in in a few months. I love your straight talking approach. I love what you've achieved. I think keep bloody going. Thank you for uh, coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Chris. It's great fun. Um, yeah, and we'll catch up again soon. The Purpose-Led Leadership Podcast is sponsored by Vincherry, the recruitment operating system used by over 20,000 recruiters worldwide. I chose to partner with Vincherry because I'm a customer and I love their modern rec operating system, a single tech platform to streamline the front, middle and back office operations of executive search, perm, contract and temp businesses. If you're looking for a breed of new tech partner, talk to Vincherry. They have followed us on support with seven offices around the world. Check them out at vincherry.io forward slash Chris O'Connell for an exclusive offer for all listeners.